On this entry of Animation Deliberation, we are covering episode 8, that's right, episode Ocho of Marvel Studios' What If, What If Ultron 1, and we're going to get right into that right after these ads that we don't have any say over whatsoever. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. I was lip syncing along. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I just I just do the head bob while it's going on. <laughs> I felt it. I felt it. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I am your guide as we ponder this multiverse of questions. And uh, I'm J. Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined, of course, by Mr. Zuhair Ali. How you doing, Zuhair? So the the farther that we get into the series and we see more of a watcher, you get a higher rank every episode as well. Is that how this is working? <laughs> We've gone from like so. Wong's accomplice to apprentice to traveling dimensions to now you are a guide as well. I dig it. I dig it. I'm doing well. Uh, getting over this move. It's finally over. Settling in. Trying to get my, my podcasting station back together. But uh, it's good to be here. Right on, right on. The other voice that we heard there is a regular guest to Animation Deliberation, but I'm surprised that we have not had him on for What If Yet, Mr. Brian V. Klein, a.k.a. BVK. What's up? How you doing, buddy? Check, check, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing good, doing good. Excited to discuss some What If. And uh, you've got source pages. Uh, you guys actually did an episode a few weeks back on Uatu, so I feel like with this episode in particular, it's kind of the perfect time when we've got one more to go to go back and check that episode out. If you are as fascinated with Owatu and his more active role, go back and check that out. Yeah, it was. We did it right before the season started and just got a primer out there because a lot of the stuff that's coming out, especially with this show, was no one really knew of the Watchers more than those random weird looking guys that showed up in Guardians 2. Right, right. And so this gives you what they're, you know their purpose is and it's been i've loved so far just my brief uh synopsis of the series so far it's been great i love this this alternate you know and plus with it being the end of loki these are all you know realities of the mcu so yeah anything can happen it is the first canonical animated entry in the mcu so we are definitely excited to break it all down but before we get into this episode in particular we got some feedback uh we got some feedback that we for the Thor episode, I know that we kind of missed, so I'm excited to get back to that. And then we also got some uh, feedback for the more recent episodes. So, Zuhair, you've got those prepared for us, correct? I do. Cool. Let's do it. All right. So, to go on the past episodes first, yeah. just to kind of build up to what we're doing, we got email from Emily Cecil. Hello, my wonderful MCU cast family, and first time writing into Animation Deliberation. Woo-hoo. Thank you. So this is by far my favorite episode of What If. 
a lot of the episodes I have not been into, like the first one and the zombies episode. The storylines just did not do it for me in those episodes. This one, along with the Star Wars Shochala, are my absolute favorites. This one had my two all-time favorite characters of Captain Marvel and Loki in such an amazing way. Hiddleston is absolutely hilarious, and his Jotun Prince Loki self was such a creative addition to the episode. What I loved was Captain Marvel being a total badass, sassy, clearly more powerful than Thor, than Thor himself. She truly is the strongest Avenger. Love all of you. Three thousand point two. Oh, yeah. That's that's great feedback, and I think that's the thing with that episode, episode seven. What if Thor was an only child? It's it's definitely one of the more lighthearted, and when we talked about it, we kind of compared it to the zombies episode, which she brought up as well. And it's just, that's the nice thing about this series. You have the opportunity to embrace some exaggerated and over the top tones. And in this case, it was more lighthearted and comedic, but then obviously it was like the Dr. Strange and the zombies episodes. Um, they're a little more dark and, and whatnot. And I myself do find myself uh, kind of resonating with some of the ones that are a little more, I guess, impactful, like the Killmonger episode comes to mind. And then, uh, episode three, what if yeah, Earth's Mightiest Heroes were killed off? Like, those are the ones that I, I really like, but don't get me wrong, I had an absolute blast with the Thor episode. What would you guys think? I mean, Zuhair, we obviously talked about it. Oh, yeah, the Thor episode was great because it was a departure. It did end up, you know, like they said, it was so lighthearted. And then at the end, with the what the, you know, when Ultron Vision shows mm-hmm. up, like, oh, here's a turn. Because that's what I was going to say is that. I disagree in a sense, like the zombies episode. I probably watched that maybe five or six oh, times wow. because that is by far my favorite. Not yeah. only, I mean, again, another uh, selfless plug here. We covered one of the zombie issues for spark mm-hmm. and it pretty much had a lot of the same points that this episode was. The one that was kind of freaky that Haley did not like was in the comic. They were using T'Challa as like a, a snack oh. like platter pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And and they use that in the comic and then we're like, Oh, that's the same thing they're doing in the, in the episode of what if so, uh, but I, yeah, every single one of them was, has had its, its, its purpose. And uh, the Thor one was just a lot of, it was just a, a, a fun romp and, you know, it pretty much was Natalie Portman did great coming oh, yeah. back. And, you know, like I said, I just, it, this show has to me a lot of rewatchability. Yeah. What I'm realizing as we watch these episodes too is that it's really hard to pick a favorite because each one is really embracing a different genre as well. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're trying to compare like your favorite horror movie to your favorite comedy. Like it's yeah. hard to say which one's better than the other because it really is apples and oranges. And I feel like that's what each of these episodes is doing. But now with the episode that we're covering today, seems like it's going back to phase one of the MCU where we have all these individual stories that you question how they're related because they're in different parts of the world, different people, different stories. But now we're coming to that thing that's like binding them together. Mm, yeah. And on mm-hmm. episode one, we were wondering like, how is this going to be connected? Is this from the same universe in different parts? Are they different stories? And now not only are we seeing how these stories actually can be connected, but we're seeing that there's actually a possibility that what's happening in this animated series may actually like heavily affect what's happening in the sacred timeline that we know is the the MCU movies that we know and love with phase four progressing next year with the film part. 
yeah mm-hmm. yeah we'll get into it when we when we talk about episode eight in particular yeah but i i agree this as as fun as the series has been as as much as it's been you know a little bit of the familiar with small smatterings of of the new uh yeah this episode has me very optimistic for the rippling ramifications for the the mcu proper uh but with that being said we can probably pivot to the the feedback that pertains to this episode all right so andre sparks writes I wanted to get your thoughts. That's a very dangerous request. <laughs> Do you think this Ultron is from a reality where Ultron got his perfect vision body and then destroyed the Avengers? Or is he from this reality's future? But why would he go back to the past theories? Some people also ask how he would have gotten the Soul Stone. He probably had Wanda sacrifice her brother for the Soul Stone. My question is, how did he even know about the stones? What do you think? Hmm. Spoiler alert. I think something is going to be answered in the next episode as far as Gamora goes, okay. because some of the merchandising has spoiled that, I guess, hmm. if you want to okay. say, because we really haven't seen her. I don't think we've really, I mean. No, she hasn't, she hasn't ep- appeared at all, even though no. we saw the Guardians very briefly this episode. Right there. I mean, uh, spoiler alert. I mean, I guess it's really not a spoiler, but there is merchandise out there that just says Gamora, daughter of Thanos. Hmm. And it's pretty much, I think, her continuing with what she would have done and not have broken off to go with the guardians and done everything that uh, Thanos had raised her to do. And even if Thanos isn't there, she's still the one that was, so she would have told Thanos about uh, Vormir, which is why he had the stone when he meant, when he went to earth to find the last stone and vision was just like, or sorry, Ultron was just like, interesting. Boom. Yeah. Fascinating. (laughs) Fascinating. That's right. So, yeah. um, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess as far as Andre's question, is he asking and if, if Ultron knew about the soul stone or if, or Thanos knew about the, how he knew about the soul stone? I think Thanos had all of the stones when he He showed up, except for the one, except for the one that the mind stone. So when, so when he absorbed all that, he had all six of them. Then he had, he was the infinity Ultron. Right, right. Well, it also begs the question, like, how did he get the the time stone in that case? Because the time stone should should have still been on Earth, and you would think that Ultron he probably would have just had went it. and. Well, Ultron took out humanity at that point, so he may have already like taken out the ancient one for Thanos, or she was probably the only thing that left, and Thanos showed up and already had a couple of stones, so he was able to overpower her and take it. Okay, that was my headcanon for that one. I, right. I like that headcanon. That works for me. Yeah. And he's also sort of had the mindset too, is that this was, I'm taking everything in this episode from the point of the end of, or the middle part of Age of Ultron is when it changed. Yeah. So the, the cradle thing was there. So everything that was happening, because the time frame, like, so Guardians of the Galaxy would have still happened because we saw them, that little fight scene when they were destroying, because that was congruent. I think that was like 2012, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 2012 or 2014 as far as their time frame. Right. Yeah, I want to say so 2014. All that little stuff would have. So a lot of the stuff was it all changed. Like anything that happened after that for Infinity War, or Endgame, or whatever, was different because of Ultron Vision or whatever you want to call him. So yeah, the Collector would still have the Collector would still have the Power Stone at this point. The Space Stone would still right. be on Asgard, but we see that he like decimated Asgard. Yeah. Right. So it was just those three the three stones that were on earth at one point where they ended up 
I mean, I think a lot of the stuff too with this is if you think too hard about it, yeah, you're just gonna freaking lose your mind, and then that's yeah. just taking the fun out of what the, the whole thing's about. Sure, so can, there was nothing that was obviously contradicting itself because this is what if. So, yeah, yeah. And, and if if you guys want a little more headcanon, like what I came up with, I mean, because I've mentioned this on past episodes too, where it's like th- this isn't a bash on anybody, but MCU fans have been like so conditioned to look for every single detail mm-hmm. that what mm-hmm. if trying to compact everything into 20 minutes is like it there's a little bit of over observation and not enough like imagination coming in like sure. as funny as it is and as great as the memes have been of um of ultron just slicing thanos in half yeah i don't see that fight actually ending that quick i feel like it actually was like this amazing showdown like at the end of infinity war and ultron just happened to win and be fascinated with the stones right that's that's how my head processes uh animations because i just love cartoons yeah. growing up and that's how i fill in the gaps so if gamora actually does have the strong relationship with nebula maybe she tossed nebula and got the soul stone and then hmm. gave it to her father because she wanted her to succeed in this and that. But like, I don't see that fight being short. I feel like it actually was stretched out and long and that like there, there's ways to make this work, but for the sake of us getting what we need to see with the story development, they have to cram it mm-hmm. in. And I feel like it's up to us as fans to just use the imagination to fill in the gap. So that's how I've been headcanning it for a while. I don't know what you guys think about that. If you have any, like, what if this or what if that, but no, no, that's that's, that's how my head's no. been processing it this week. It's time time constraints is what it always comes down to, as far as that goes. You can't have. I mean, it would be great if every episode was an hour, but they're not, sure. so they sure. have to not sort of gloss over things that you can assume. We've already seen how powerful Ultron was in this episode yeah. when when uh, Thanos finally showed up. So it wasn't beyond the realm of possibility that something like that could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with all that. And I am a hundred percent with you in terms of like, when you do have those questions, it's, it's more fun to use your imagination and headcanon to explain those things. But that being said, and we talk about over-examining things can kind of ruin your enjoyment. I do have to say the one thing that kind of like really had me questioning is we got the revelation in Loki that, many of the infinity stones are rendered useless when they like exit their universe. So my question was, was like once Ultron exited his universe and entered the multiverse was, should his infinity stones still have been doing anything? Or was that just like the watcher even said he had already transcended like the next level of consciousness. No, because I think I think they I've read something too that was basically saying that those infinity stones are rendered useless when they're in the TVA. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're in there because I still think, and I'm not going to not think this until it's proven otherwise, that the TVA is in the quantum realm. Oh, okay. So it sort of makes it basically everything, like magic doesn't work there. And so if those are considered the quote unquote magic, he's still has the, the, the stones work wherever they're at. Well, so. yeah, the stones are based on like the singularities, like the purest essence of whatever energy they are. Right. So I guess at the quantum level, like you're, you're, you're yeah you're basically beyond that stuff. things react differently yeah, sure. in the quantum realm even in like in us in real life the quantum realm has different rules things can be in two places at one time they can all the little things that in science fiction that you think are well beyond reality mm-hmm. in the quantum realm in well not in quant like quantum physics and mechanics say that all these things are possible we can detect them we don't know how the hell they're doing it but mm-hmm. 
it's uh, it's not for us, I guess, to understand. If we understand that, then it's sort of like we're done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't want to know. Oh, well, yeah. Just understand it for the story's sake and just stick with what yeah. we need to know for that. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to understand science that nobody actually gets. Right. It's not a real thing. And even if that and some of the stuff, the people that sit there and just pick the minutia of things, it's yeah. it's to me, it sounds like it's it seems like it's taking the enjoy. You're taking the enjoyment out of it by yeah. being so meticulously, you know, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't understand how my phone works. I'm not going <laughs> to understand physics. Like, yeah, right. yeah, totally. Yeah. And while we're on a little bit Words more of appear. a philosophical bent, like tangent here, um, I, I will say it's like that's part of like being human is like the pursuit of knowledge and always having questions and, and not mm-hmm. having all the answers mm-hmm. as part of the thrill of life. And it just kind of ties into this episode when Ultron had succeeded, when he took out Captain Marvel and basically used her as a, a nuke to like wipe out whatever remaining planets there were, I, I, I guess, except for um, earth with Clint and Natasha there, like the watchers almost doing the same thing that he did to Dr. Strange, where he's kind of like poking at him and be like, you're basically made you yourself this this prison here but uh he still has purpose and even though it's not the pursuit of knowledge it's in a way it kind of is like in his pursuit to destroy all life he's seeking the knowledge of that life and discovering universes beyond his own so i like the parallel there right because i think the watcher even if he goes once he basically accomplished his goal he was enlightened enough to understand the watcher was like narrating it and he realizes like Oh crap! He can hear me. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know that whole revelation that he he reached that level of enlightenment was actually really cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was my only. I don't want to say con, but for lack of a better word, I guess that was my only like grievance with the episode hmm. was that in the last few episodes, like I had been reiterating that like the watcher is just like a quiet note taker. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of observing what happens. But when he said like, I'll know all that happens, that's what kind of threw me out of it just a tad bit. Hmm. Um, because I didn't realize he was like, you know, Kang or the TVA where he knew everything that was going to happen because then it just kind of takes the shock of like, Oh my God, this happened out. So that, that one line threw me out of it a little bit, but that's, that's my only, that's my only like downturn out of this episode. Everything else was amazing. Yeah, I I can get that. It's kind of tough when you're dealing with such like heady concepts, like a character that simultaneously exists within time, but outside of time and is observing and narrating uh, events that he has knowledge about, but is experiencing at the same time, it can get a little wishy-washy, but I do have to say with that scene, when it's basically you're looking at Ultron's face and he's having like the pondering and then you see the watcher behind him and the way the camera kind of like pans behind and then Ultron himself mm-hmm. turns around to face Uatu. All of that is so effective and the tension is just ratcheted up so much, even though this wasn't like a, a horror episode like some of the other ones were. I did find myself like on the edge of my seat more so like Ultron is just I, I as I love Age of Ultron. Don't get me wrong; I, it does have its issues, and not making Ultron the full menace that he could have been, I think, is is one of those issues. But I feel like this just took the opportunity to make him the true terrifying force that he is in the comics. Oh, definitely! And like you're saying, that shot when he was narrating, and Ultron's eyes are sort of like looking around, 
and he's like figuring out like what is what is that and then yeah he looks over his shoulder and then Watu realizes that he's being noticed it was just sort of like a ooh. it was almost like the 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 goose pimples were coming mm-hmm. out and going wow this is sort of it's transcending itself now. yeah 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 i'm 100 percent with you and and if me saying this a million times hasn't gotten you to watch this yet, I'll be amazed. But in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, like Ultron was amazing. Like he was mm-hmm. a threat. Every time that he popped up out of nowhere, it was, you know, you felt that there was stakes. And as soon as he turned over, that's when the series took a turn from fun. Uh, what kind mm-hmm. of what if stories can we come up with to, oh my God, what is about to happen? Yeah. The fact that it ended with a cliffhanger that could pick up in the next couple of episodes was like, Oh, like this is a big deal now. Mm-hmm. This could this could very well affect our sacred timeline. This could very well be something that pushes the story of the MCU further. We could possibly get Ultron back. Who knows? Yeah. But the fact that we're seeing this amazing villain and all this incredible storytelling to the level that we appreciate the MCU is very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you make the comparisons to Earth's Mightiest Heroes, but. I also felt vibes to a, another show that we've uh, we've covered here, obviously, Young Justice with the character, uh, spoilers for, for Young Justice and some DC things as well, but you've got the character of Mongol, and I can't remember the name of his uh, his giant like battleship, the, the war planet or whatever, but when Ultron's going to Asgard and to Xandar and these various places, and he has that like giant orb that his drones swarm out from, I definitely got uh, Young Justice vibes there. Cool all right oh it is called war world is it war world okay okay yep cool cool but talking about that that scene and how impactful it is and the the lasting ramifications that it could have for the mcu but just talking about how the the camera panned as well uh i did find myself in this episode i felt like it just had a very cinematic feel compared to some of the episodes like especially the opening action sequence with Natasha on the motorcycle in Russia with Clint fighting the Ultron drones. I found myself like I could really picture a lot of those scenes playing out like in live action. I just thought they were choreographed really well and and fluid, and uh, I I just really enjoyed it. What did you guys think about some of the action in, in this episode? Oh, I hundred percent agree with you. It was a lot of times you get taken out of this show not realizing that you're still watching an animated show, sort of like the Bad Batch. There's, it's such a, even though this is more of a, I wouldn't call it a simpler animation. It's just, it everything is so lifelike still that you're sitting there watching it going, oh, wait a second, I'm watching an animated <laughs> show here. And it yeah. doesn't really even like hit you that much. But yeah, those scenes when they were with the motorcycle and Clint just showing again how much of a badass archer he was, is, it was it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I think that was one of the powerful things that the Black Widow movie reiterated as well is that they are humans mm-hmm. and the fact mm-hmm. that the two humans of the teams were the ones that survived and their their spy expertise is what's helped them survive and uh, help this apocalyptic world is really powerful because you don't have to be a superhero with all these powers and abilities to be a hero and the fact that they're still like staying on the mission and stuff like that and holding their emotional grief. You saw how much it affected Clint. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And seeing their ability to hold their own and fight and 
I think the action sequence are beautifully done, especially when you know Clint sacrifices himself, mm-hmm. uh, very Endgame style. Oh, that was and then, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing Vision, oh uh, not Vision, uh, Owatu armor up oh, yeah. and go toe to toe with uh, Ultron was amazing. Mm-hmm. That whole sequence of like every time he got punched, it just like went to a different multiverse, and you saw like different species and stuff like recording them or yeah. observing or watching, and then <laughs> you see the very like Asgardian essence in the way that the armor was, but you saw a lot of Doctor Strange with them using the mirror dimension and how they were using the magic Mm -hmm. and like there was so many like subtle nods to little things and it was just so detailed and so well thought out and the choreography was just so well put together like i loved every bit of it it was so gorgeous Mm -hmm. right yeah i just have written down in my notes badass ultra uatu (laughs) so that's sort of just like with him getting all geared up and stuff and he's just like i'm done yeah you know yeah there was a couple of times with his character, like that scene when they were in Siberia in the KGB in the warehouse. I'm going, dude, you've seen already what's been happening. Just yeah. push the yeah. box. Show them. Yeah. Don't sit there and be like, you're so close. Yeah. You've already gotten somewhat involved. This is like the end to- end of times. Just, you know, break your oath, which we find, you know, he does at the end of the show. Sure, anyway. sure, sure. But, or the episode, yeah. but. This definitely did feel like I liked the fact that they, even though it's a continuation from the previous episode, but this did feel like the second act of a three act movie where it was the, yeah. the the bad stuff happened. We're getting the resolution to it. And then at the end, it's sort of like, OK, the third act, we're going to fight this. And with him, you know, we've already seen some clips where we're going to have the what if Avengers, I guess, if you want to call them, all come together and I'm assuming fight Ultron. Yeah, yeah, I would have to, I would have to imagine. So, I mean, the, obviously, the first person that we see him uh, go back to there is shout out to Jeff Randall here. He coined the term "Darkter Strange," which, which I like. Which it's, it's awesome. Darkter Strange. Yeah, Darkter Strange. It's it's cool seeing him there in the shadows. He looks very Cthulhu, Lovecraftian when he's standing in the shadows. You can see the multiple eyes and the tentacles coming out. Oh yeah, when he when they first show him and he's got the 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 third eye and then he comes out and he's just that he's got that gaunt drawn out really skeletal the really profound cheekbones yeah, yeah. and just like the sunken eyes yeah yeah and uh i even like the fact that his actual name is strange supreme ah, okay. so it's sort of like you know it's not sorcerer supreme it's not that it's you know him being formed from the you know the grief and stuff interesting like that, so. i didn't yeah i didn't know that was his moniker but good and him being as cocky yeah. as he is he of course needs to put his own name into it yeah, yeah. oh yeah but I like that at the end where he's like, you really want me to say it. He's like, oh, hell yeah, I need, I, do. I need to hear it. I need your I need It made me that. think of uh, Thor Dark World where Loki's like sitting in the prison. You must be truly desperate. Uh, that's a good call. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it does get me excited thinking back on that Doctor Strange episode. That was some of the most bombastic and theatrical action that we got to see. But we we talked about the the Siberia sequence and uh, getting to see Owatu with his full power set, but that was a nice thing about this episode, and I think part of the reason it resonated so much is that you you did get that grounded spy based action, but then you got to see this cosmic over the over the top uh, world ending action, and a few things stuck out to me in those sequences, and I wrote down Kirby cosmic art come to life because anytime they use like power rays or like there was an impact like you got to see like those those classic kirby designs where he has like the ink splotches that like black out certain parts yeah. and then the color just highlights it around it you basically just got to see mm-hmm. that in motion and it was beautiful to behold uh, but the other thing that kind of stuck out to me is that it felt like a video game um so here you mentioned where they're like 
smashing through different pulps, different parts of the multiverse. And it reminded me a lot of like Mortal Kombat or Injustice, where like if you get a good combo going, um, you get these great like scene transitions where you basically can smash another character like through a part of the environment and they bust out on the other end. So I just just, like felt like combo breaker, especially when you got to see like (laughs) Ultron turn into Galactus and just bite down on him. Like, oh, that was awesome. It was really, really cool. And I also want to say that I totally appreciate the fact that the design for Ultron in this is a lot more based on what the original comic book design looked like with the the more profound, if you want to call it like the head wings and just the more mm-hmm. angular, it does have a lot of the MCU look to mm-hmm. it, but it does have a lot more, especially like the Ultron bots have that classic, you know, 80s, 70s, 80s Ultron look to it from the comics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always wish that the the main Ultron looked as good as the the bots did because I, again, being an Earth's Mightiest Heroes fan, I really appreciated that look. But before you got on the call, Jay Scotty and I, I was telling him how amazing the the Funko for it looks. Mm-hmm. I like the oh yeah, I really want to get it. Looks so cool. I give them kind of credit too because they sort of had the same kind of quote unquote nesting as we do they didn't announce anything until like two days Mm -hmm. after the show aired so it wasn't like sometimes even back in the day they would announce i remember when uh infinity war came out they announced a whole bunch of pops on that friday and i'm like come on i mean i thought so i wasn't spoiled but even some of them were like hulk busting out of the hulk buster was like this is great wait a second that wasn't even in the movie well even in endgame where you saw uh thor like in the in the quantum realm suit and he has like the scar over his eye and he's holding yeah. a Stormbreaker, but like none of that happened. And that was no. like, Oh, this is, it's great how they're making like fake Funkos too. Um, and even like when I got the, for the Marvel collector core, like when I got the box for what if, like I didn't open it because I didn't want to see like what it was. And then I just saw the apocalypse mat and I was like, Oh, I wonder what that's about when I saw the episode. I was like, that's such a cool Funko now. <laughs> oh Yeah. But that's the thing. With any kind of toy design, you have X amount of time that you have to have if you want to have it come out at the time of the release of the movie. So you got to have nine to 12 months. And a lot of times you're just working on either concept stuff or stuff that would have been in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. Force Awakens was notorious for releasing the first wave of figures for it for uh, Constable Zubio, oh, who yes. literally was not even in the movie. Yeah. yeah. But they couldn't have done anything about it because at that time they made it a creative decision to t- remove them. So a lot of the times, like with the Hulkbuster Hulk, he was planned, but it didn't end up on the, it ended up on the cutting room floor. So, you know, not to go on a tangent like that, but that's, they really have no choice. And actually I think that was makes it kind of cooler. Cause it's sort of like a, an alternate version, like, Oh, we got a, yeah. a physical piece of merchandise or something that doesn't even exist in on celluloid. So. Right. 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 But to, to tie it back to, to what if, and, and the design of Ultron there and, and talking about age of Ultron, where I, I agree with you, I kind of prefer the, the classic where, Ultron's mandibles don't really move. You get the emotion just through the voice and kind of like the lighting up of his eyes and mouth. But I mean, part of that I have to imagine is the fact that you get James Spader. You don't want to just use his voice. You want to get some of his performance. So they felt Mm -hmm. the need to animate some of the face there. But that being said, it was not James Spader that did the voice of Ultron this time around. It was Ross Marquand, who's become a bit of an MCU staple. He's done a number of voices and he appeared as Red Skull in Infinity War and Endgame. So right. I found myself, I've, I've watched the episode twice and both times it takes me about two to three minutes to get adjusted to the voice he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's a phenomenal uh, voice actor and he's, he's doing a, a stand up job. It is just one of those things where 
James Spader's voice is so iconic and I've watched Age of Ultron so many times and heard it so many times that there is just a little bit of a disconnect, but I love it when it gets onto the new stuff and when he's achieved like new levels of, of consciousness and whatnot and getting to hear him say new things as Ultron. That's when it really starts to resonate with me. Yeah. And I think what you said uh, really connected with me about how if you're going to impersonate one of the live action actors like try to kind of add your own flair to it mm-hmm. like get as close as you can but then still like add your own thing and i think the voice actress for black widow did just that yeah where you understand that it is uh natasha romanoff but it's not a hundred percent scarlett johansson like she's adding her own swag to it she's adding her own her own personality to it and it you know that it's not her, mm-hmm. but she does such a good job as Black Widow that you don't care. And I feel the same way with, um, yeah, I said the the two big ones for me now were the Chris Evans impersonation, now the James Spader one. Okay. Where it was like, it took a little bit of adjustment. I thought the Tom Holland and Tony Stark did a great job. Tom Holland still stands out as the best one for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing with the Black Widow that sort of throws you off a bit is the fact that the voice actress is playing up against Jeremy Renner and you're so used to ScarJo and Jeremy Renner back and forth yeah. that you hear Hawkeye being Hawkeye and you could tell that's Jeremy Renner against the new voice actress. And it just, it, it just takes a little bit to get used to. It's just that that's our programming that we're so used to these things after how many years sure, that sure. if it's someone different then. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's a different, it's, uh, it's Lake Bell doing the voice of black widow. And I do think she's doing mm-hmm. a really good job. I agree with what you're saying. Zuhair. It's, it's capturing the essence of a black widow without actually sounding just like Scarlett Johansson, but it's close enough. And, uh, Lake Bell, I've been hearing her a lot on the Harley Quinn animated series as poison Ivy yep. and she just, poison she Ivy. just kills it. So, um, really nice to hear her again, but I did want to explore like the relationship between Natasha and Clint a little bit because we talked about Clint's sacrifice, how it's a little bit of an inversion of what we saw in in-game and, and whatnot. But um, I I did think it was kind of fascinating the fact that, you know, Clint goes down a dark path no matter what when he loses his family. But when Natasha has Clint there by her side, like we saw in in-game when, you know, she's sitting there eating the peanut butter sandwich and down in, in the dumps because um, Clint's not there. But when she has Clint by her side, she's like still this like just fount of of inspiration and, and comic relief and he even tells her like don't try to make this fun <laughs> yeah. right I, I just love seeing and let's just clarify let's just clarify it's it's clint francis yes. Barton. we find out that <laughs> francis is a man uh family name after his meme yep. good old meme uh, that because i don't think they don't mention that in endgame do they no but they just come Clint Barton. That's that. I'm glad you bring that up because it was very reminiscent of Endgame as well, where you have uh, Red Skull. He's like you know Natasha, son of uh, what was it, Ivan? Yeah, yeah. Daughter of Ivan and son of son of Ivan, daughter of Ivan. Excuse me, getting confused here. But I guess they didn't use the full names. Yeah. yeah so. When Zola, when Zola introduced her, he called her Natalia, not Natasha. Is that? Natalia is the the Russian version ah. of because it's Natalia Romanov. Okay, it's it, it's a it's a slight. We brought it. Um, I was corrected by this by Haley and Jeff on our primer about how there's a difference between when you announce when you pronounce it in the 
American version of it or the, because uh, it's Natalia versus Natasha versus Romanov and Romanov okay. and stuff like that. It's just, you know, different. It's, it's the same thing, but different. I listened to that episode, but I didn't retain it. Wasn't it Natalia in Iron Man 2? Um, was Natalia the one in Iron Man? I haven't seen that like movie when, so long. So. <laughs> when, when Pepper introduces her, I think she says Natalia Romanov or Natalie. I think it was like Natalie Rushman or something Natalie. like that. Yeah. Natalie Rushman, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you see the the little the little changes, you know the the Shang Chi joke. It's like, well, if you change it to Shang to Sean, of course it's <laughs> Natalie to Natalia to Natasha. Like, <laughs> kind of similar there, bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not fooling anybody. And then uh, we, we got to bring up the fact that Clint was using an Ultron arm. Like, yeah, that's just sets up the great joke where need a hand. You know me better than that. Puns aren't really my style. Well, like, I'll tell you, puns are my style. So I was happy. To hear. <laughs> I was going to say when I saw that, I thought of them like, "Oh, Jay Scott is going to remember that line." What multiverse are we in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I know on the DC side of things, with like the character of Green Arrow, spoilers for DC, but uh, one of the like Elseworld futures, Ollie loses his arm and has a robotic arm, and I think that's one of like the similarities with with Hawkeye and and Green Arrow, isn't it? Like in old man logan or hulk or something like that doesn't hawkeye have like a prosthetic arm or am i just misconstruing the old man logan wasn't he like blind with the prosthetic arm is that it okay yeah oh hawkeye yeah come on comics guy (laughs) sorry i had a a a brain no you're good i'm just giving you crap (laughs) Uh, with comics on the mind and i did bring up you know Doctor Strange looking um, at his darkest there. It did make me think of, uh, if you're familiar with this one, Brian, the Jason Aaron run from like 2015 where all magic had been destroyed in the world. So like Doctor Strange Mm -hmm. has to kind of go back to his roots and he almost, uh, I can't remember all the details, but I feel like he almost has to like tap into like dark magic and he like starts like throwing up like dark magic and stuff. Maybe it's not the same run, but I'm kind of thinking about that. Yeah, I remember there's a lot of that stuff uh blends in together i I was thinking about it the other day the run when loki becomes sorcerer supreme and then i was like wait a second that wasn't okay that was the aaron run that was dr okay it it happens sometimes when you go and again this is me not plugging but plugging (laughs) uh, unlimited you go in there and you end up reading like 15 20 comics in a sitting and then you go to back to remember what you read and it's like which one was it because you they you go and jump around so much when you're reading it that a lot of it just ends up blending into one cohesive story which is it's kind of hard to recollect where you actually got it from when you go try to go back to look for things bbk we need a search protector for all your plugs <laughs> <laughs> i'm not getting paid for any of these either so. it's out of love. <laughs> decided to throw that bad joke in there yeah, yeah. it's good it's good how long have you been sitting on that one? <laughs> the second you said it, the second you said another plug, I was like, huh. <laughs> but that's the thing about the the Marvel universe. And that's the, the great thing about having a show like Spark. Like, you know, the comics have been going on for what, like, what, 60, oh, 60 years now? If not uh, longer. Marvel's no, last, no, last year was the 80th yeah. celebration of Marvel Comics. Um, it's been Marvel Comics since the '60s. It was time. It was different names yeah. of it beforehand. But, but I mean, that's why the MCU is so great. It does a great job of boiling down like the essence and modernizing things for the new times and a mm-hmm. new audience, and and just taking what's great about these story characters and even the newer characters that are are getting the opportunity to 
to make their appearances and become endeared to audiences. But uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say on, about this episode, but I'm just riding really high. It's, it's one of those things I feel like with every Marvel show, you have like the temptation, like the l- latest episode you want to say is your favorite, but I feel like I can be objective enough to say like the, that scene that we talked about where Ultron recognizes Owatu and just that, that fight with Owatu and where we leave off with, Owatu actually having to, you know, assemble this team. It has me very, very excited for the way that this series is going to end and impact the MCU proper. Oh, definitely. Because it's everything we've seen. I'm not getting into too much of the, I've, I've read a couple generalized spoilers for let there be carnage, oh, okay. but the connections of everything in the multiverse, I mean, the multiverse, I know some people are saying the multiverse is sort of a cop-out because it allows you to not have to worry too much about continuity, but I think it's, it, you know, DC did it right. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, we just got uh, a message from BVK saying that he lost power. Uh, I will try to finish his point to the best of my ability, uh, but CW actually did a really good job of, because of the way that they did their shows, uh, Arrow and Flash was on one channel with CW, but then they had Supergirl on CBS that eventually moved over to CW. So they just said that it was on a different earth and they had black lightning that was on a different earth. But when they wanted to wrap everything up with the arrow story, uh, they found a way to have this threat that was attacking the multiverse and basically like using the ability to kind of like bring it all together. And then they continued the stories from there, like having like this, this one, uh, you know, prime, uh, prime universe that they were working with now and they did a good job with that you know despite it being a tv show and there's a lot more things that can go wrong with stuff like that but um it's it comes back to me personally for in feige we trust mm-hmm. i'm not a huge fan of time travel and multiverse and stuff like that but if somebody's gonna do it then i will give marvel a chance for doing it right uh it's the only reason that loki sits on the bottom for my like rankings of the mcu shows this year not that i didn't like it i absolutely love that show but because it's it's so out there on using your imagination and trying to make things work and headcanon and stuff like that that's why i said to the bottom but i like what they're doing i like that the way that events are going through the mcu right now like it's not one person's fault there's been issues in loki there's been issues in what if there's been issues in wandavision sure. i feel like all this stuff like connecting is it, it, like whatever's going to happen with this multiverse, if it is multiverse of madness or something in the future, or a new threat comes about, like it is going to be the result of a bunch of our heroes making mistakes, not so much one thing that's going to mess it up for everybody else. So I'm in five, we trust yeah. very excited for phase four. I'm excited to see how all this ties together. And I'm hoping that we get to see a little more of these, what if stories in live action. Uh, in regards to this episode and the rest of the series, I'm hoping that the rest of the season is a continuation of these two or of this episode. I think we have two episodes left, correct? Uh, well, we initially thought it was going to be 10 episodes, but we found out like during production, they, they truncated it down to nine episodes. So we've got the one left and then I guess uh, season two or part two, what what have you, will be coming uh, quicker than we thought. Okay, so I'm hoping that our last episode is a continuation of this. I know I've wanted a continuation of every episode that's happened so far, mm-hmm. but the way that this is and how close it is to MCU sacred timeline, I I'm hoping that they wrap it up with a really good story that actually connects everything. 
Yeah, agreed. And in terms of like the multiverse being a cop out, like I, I disagree with that. I think it's just the natural progression of things. It's kind of funny how often, um, not only in the comics, but in these these adaptations, how often Marvel seems to be copying DC or vice versa. They just happen to be doing the same things at the same time. It's just the natural progression of things. You get um, introduced to these characters, you get endeared to these characters, and you subvert the expectations of these characters. And then you have such uh, deep continuity. It only makes sense to kind of open it up and just explore all the possibilities. So with that being said, I'm, I'm certainly there with you. I'm, I'm excited for the future. So we will uh, wrap things up here. Unfortunately, Brian, due to technical difficulties, is not here to plug his stuff. But I'll just say, you know, check out uh, Source Pages or Reading Collective. They've got uh, a lot of great things going on. They're doing their coverage. Uh, while there's a little bit of a, a lull in the MCU, they've gone back to do their coverage of the Tom King run of Visions that kind of ties into uh, WandaVision there. And I know they're going to be doing stuff for both Loki and uh, Captain in the Captain America, or excuse me, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's kind of tough not to call him Captain America these days, um, if I'm <laughs> not mistaken. There, so do you hear anything you want to let the people know about um, as far as animation deliberation goes, or yourself? Uh, we are not shy of any projects right now. Uh, once I get caught up, we're going to be doing a more deep dive into Star Wars Visions. Uh, mm-hmm. I have enjoyed the first two episodes, and I know Jay Scott has been biting his tongue trying to talk to me about it, <laughs> so I'm going to try to fast track that for him and you all as best as i can uh we also got a lot in the anime department trying to finish up uh demon slayer my hero academia is doing pretty well right now but the movie comes out in october so i'm really excited to watch that and yeah. uh, share my thoughts with you all Woo-hoo. and yeah that's all i got at the top of my head if you want to go back and listen to source pages what if episode and their primer of uatu then uh, be sure to check those out as well yeah well thanks everybody for listening uh check out all the things that we've got going on here at animation deliberation as well as the stranded panda network stranded panda network thank you for all the wonderful reviews that we got i'm looking forward to being able to read some of those on air and thanks for all the feedback we got on this episode so thanks for tuning in that's t-o-o-n-i-n stay wound Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash spchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. When running a small business, choosing reliable partners can make life a whole lot easier. And Comcast Business is a reliable choice for internet and technology. With fiber solutions reaching up to 10 gigs, a 5G mobile network that means business can be done whenever. Advanced security to help keep everyone's connected devices protected. And a support team ready to help at any hour. Whether a business is starting or growing, Comcast Business is the partner to rely on. Actual speeds vary. Call for details.